Let's go to God in prayer before we open up our time together. God, we are grateful for this day and this time where we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as your people, as your children. We are grateful for a space where we can come and and to just be at home amongst people who have the same desire, who have the same uh, life, who have the same love, who have the same Savior. Uh, We are grateful that you are our Father and our God and that you call us your children. Pray that we've offered up our worship to you in a way that is pleasing in your sight um, and that you would give us the blessing of your presence not only here in this place, but as we leave from this place. Uh, We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice and the unity we have in his blood and the salvation we have in his sacrifice. Father, as we open up your word here this morning, I pray that we would be still for a moment. There are many things that compete for our attention, that compete for uh, space in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that we would be still that your spirit would move within us and we would have the boldness and the courage to follow where you lead us from this place forward. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Mr. Teague, you want to advance these slides for me because uh, I've lost my connection up here. And instead of staying here and fiddling with it, we'll just go... Uh, I'll stay as close to my notes as I can, and hopefully we'll stay in order with the slides up there. Um, I'm going to start a, a new series. Uh, maybe you saw some of the uh, media that was put out this past week, uh, but it's called I Believe. And if you think about um, what it is that we believe, sometimes it can be hard uh, to kind of put into words what it is that we believe. If someone came and said, do you know what you believe? I would certainly say, absolutely, I know what I believe. But if they said, tell me, that might be a little more complicated conversation than they were wanting to have. Um, It's hard to put into words, succinct, simple, understandable words, what it is that we believe. And throughout history, as humans, we have relied on many things to help us formulate uh, what it is that we want to remember about certain things. Uh, with my kids, we put it to music. Uh, we, we, it's easier to remember things when you sing them. Did you learn your ABCs by just memorizing them? Maybe some of you did. Maybe some of you had to sing the song. I still have to sing the song. Um, same thing with the books of the Bible. Um, you know, we have ways of memorizing and, and storing things like that. And many faith traditions have moved to, to creeds. And they've talked about creeds as they have tried to summarize what it is that they believe. Um, In the churches of Christ, we don't have creeds. It's not that we don't believe in them. Um, Creeds can be a good thing. The problem is that it becomes very easy to rely and depend on something that becomes very comfortable, so much so that we often forget where it has come from. And so one of the I guess it's kind of a creed in and of itself that we have said there are no creeds except the Bible. Um, and that's a, that really is a beautiful sentiment because we rely on Scripture to formulate what it is that we believe. Here's the problem. If we don't have a way of memory, memorizing things, what do we know about what it is? And so for the next eight or nine weeks... Um, 
we're just going to talk about the basic, fundamental Christian beliefs. What it is that we believe. We're going to talk about what it means to believe in God. Uh, what it means to believe in Jesus. And we're going to look at what Scripture says about what it means to be a Christian and to be a member of the church. As we try to, in a very succinct way, express what we believe as Christians. Um, we do have some statements, some statements of faith, if you will. If you think about some of the things that we do, they come from Scripture. When people are baptized, we, we say pretty much the same thing. We have the same questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you willing to make Him the Lord of your life? Um, and generally, as someone is baptized, we will say, uh, because of your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those come directly from Scripture. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not that we are unfamiliar with some of these things. Thank you, sir. Um, it's not that uh, we don't know how they are used, uh, but we acknowledge maybe some of the dangers that come, um, or some of the challenges, if you will, that come from having some of those things present. Uh, we even have mission statements, um, but mission statements, we have the same problem. We have the same challenge. Mission statements can be good. They tell us that we are on mission. That we have a place where we are wanting to go. But when the mission statement becomes more present than the scripture, it becomes very easy to remember that we have a mission statement, but to forget that we are on mission. And while we may know the words, we forget that those things are to be put into action. It's the challenge we face as humans and as Christians. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, this is one of those statements from Scripture that really give us a description of what it is that we believe. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 8, Yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from Him, and we exist for Him. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ. All things are through Him, and we exist through Him. Um, a very clear, concise statement of what it is that we believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we talked about this on Wednesday night, summarizes the gospel very well when Paul writes in verse 3, For I pass on to you what is most important. Um, it's what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Um, when someone says, what is the gospel? You know, we can talk about, you know, what the Gospels are and what's the good news. But if you really want a clear, succinct way of describing what it is that we believe, Scriptures give us those things on a regular basis. And they give us a foundation from which we can begin a conversation into those deeper, richer things about Christianity. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 gives us another one uh, when uh, Timothy writes, he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed in the world, and taken up in glory. Some of the things we'll be looking at as we um, look at this topic of I believe. 
Um, today we're going to look at this. I believe in God. What do we believe about God? I believe in God um, the Father. I don't know if this one's going to work either. We may just have a uh, wireless issue. So, I believe in God the Father. Look, this, uh, this says something to me. It really does. I can think of God as a father. Um, I had a good father. I had a good father growing up. He was present. He did the things that, that fathers should do. Um, but that's not always the case in the world in which we live. And Jesus talks about God frequently, and he always refers to him as the father. And he is our father as well. But we know that we live in a culture where many people have broken families. They have broken histories. And imagining God as a father might be something that is more difficult for them than it is for me. Might be more difficult for them than it is for you. To think of God as a father may not bring about great images of what it is to be God. Psalm 103 verses 8 through 13 is one of the passages that describes God's character as a good father who loves his children well. And he says this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and rich in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So we have this image of a father that is gracious, of a father that is merciful, of a father that is everything that a father is supposed to be. And so we don't have to have an image of a perfect father on earth because we've been given an image of what a father is in God who is the Father. God, the Father. God, the Almighty One. All right, now we get into some language that maybe we don't use. I don't know when the last time is you used Almighty in regular conversation. Uh, it's been a while for me, like never. Um, but we talk about God, and we talk about the Almighty God, and, and that phrase just kind of rolls off the tongue um, like we expect it to At least it does for me. I've always heard it. Um, It's been used in prayers. It's read in Scripture. Almighty God. Oh, Lord God Almighty. And and so that phrase doesn't even necessarily spark any kind of emotion in me because I've probably forgotten what it means to be almighty. But we serve a God, a God that says, I am a father, a perfect father, a father who is compassionate and gracious, but one who is also almighty. That we serve a God that is victorious already over all of the things that this world will throw into our path. And throughout Scripture, we see a picture painted of a victorious king. Our God, the victor, the conqueror. He is more powerful than anything we can imagine, than anything that we will ever face on this earth. And he has more authority than anything we've ever come across. He is the Almighty. Look at what Jeremiah writes in chapter 32 and verse 17. He says, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. 
And do you see that last phrase? An almighty God means that there is nothing that is too difficult for him. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you've got, look, this is tough. This is too tough for me. This is too difficult for me to accomplish or to overcome. And God says, not for me. Because I believe in God. I believe in a God who is a father. I believe in a God who is almighty. Psalm chapter 8, or Psalm 80 and verse 19. Restore us, Yahweh, the God of hosts. Look on us with favor and we will be saved. Our God has the power to bring salvation because he is almighty. The Almighty God has overcome my worst transgressions, my worst fears. He has overcome the greatest power on this earth, and He has even overcome evil. And through Him, the Almighty God, we are able to receive salvation. In Revelation 1, 8, Jesus says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was, or the one who is, the one who was, and who is coming. The Almighty. Our God is the only one who can say the buck stops here. <laughs> it begins and it ends with Him. And He is our God. What does it mean when we say, I believe in God? It means I believe that I have a father who is compassionate and gracious and stern when he needs to be stern but has already forgiven my transgressions through Jesus Christ because the Almighty God has the power to save. He has the power to save, He has the power to overcome, and He has the power to create. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Father, the Almighty, and the Creator. And why is it important to acknowledge God as a Creator? Think about why you create things. Why do you make things? Do you make things to simply be thrown away? The things that we create have purpose. They have intent. They have a plan. If you were to go through our attic and storage spaces right now, you would find boxes and boxes of things that are created by little hands. And they're not thrown away. There's a lot of papers that are thrown away. Heather doesn't know it, but I've already thrown them away. I'm just kidding. I didn't throw anything away. Um, but there are things that we threw away. There are papers that we threw away, papers that were written and graded in worksheets that were filled out because it wasn't created by them. It didn't have my kids' fingerprints on them or handprints. It didn't have the mark of their personality or their character. Because when we create things, our expression of ourselves come out into that, whether we intend for it to or not. And when we understand that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, what we see is that imprinted on everything that we see. is an expression of the character and the nature of God. And in a very intensely special way, 
there is an image that is impressed on each and every one of you. When God says, let us make them in our image. We have been created like God, like Jesus, like the Holy Spirit, in their image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible begins in this way. In the beginning, God created. The very first thing that we see God doing is creating the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. See, when the creation story begins, uh, this same word for hovering comes from the same root word for brooding protectively like a mother hen would over a nest of eggs. This is another illustration we have of God's deep parental care for for creation. That there is some chaos here. There is this mass is formless and empty, and the Spirit of God is brooding over it. And creation hasn't even begun yet. But He knows what is about to transpire. God cares for His creation. In Hebrews chapter 11 In verse 3, the Hebrews writer writes this, he says, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command, so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. That something here was created out of nothing. And look, there are are all kinds of resources out there that will um, talk about the theory of evolution. Um, There was a debate between Ken Ham and... Another guy, I don't remember who it was. Bill Nye the Science Guy, I believe it was. Um, you know, and they were talking about the difference between creation and evolution. I mean, why is it so important? It is important. It is important that we teach about God, the Creator, and understand who He was as He formed the earth and formed the heavens and, and suspended the stars in the sky and created mankind. To place him in a habitat perfectly designed for him. It wasn't always here. It did spontaneously emerge uh, from a Big Bang. I, I like this phrase that I've heard a lot. Do you believe in the Big Bang Theory? Yes, I do. I believe that God spoke and bang, it happened. All right, that's kind of my version of the Big Bang Theory. I don't know how it all transpired. But what I do know is that God was the architect behind it all. And He created it all with an intense purpose. With care. And with something greater in mind than what we could imagine. If we look at science, they argue about expansion. And we can see that. We can see the evidence of an expanding universe and as we trace that back to its origins, we have to come back to a point of, of nothingness. That at some point in this theory, that something had to come from nothing. Well, long before a Big Bang theory was proposed, the writer of Hebrews says these things. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. 
See, over and over again, we find science proving what the Bible has already stated for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. God, the creator of the universe. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28. Um, we have this from, the, from Luke. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it, He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And He does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man He has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and we move and we exist, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are also His offspring. The purpose of creation is this. He said we created them. And I created them in such a way that they would seek me, the Creator. Because there is imprinted on each and every one of us a desire for the godly, for the heavenly. Jim Carrey said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. So they can see that that's not the answer. And so often we run to the things of this world to solve our problems. Instead of turning to the one who created it all in the first place. Because when we understand that God is the creator of all that we have and see and experience. We will not be tempted to take solace in the created things. But in the creator. I believe in God. And when I say I believe in God, this is what it is that we are saying. I believe that I have a Father, a Heavenly Father. The Almighty God that brings about salvation, that has already conquered the things that will stand in my way, that rules victorious and mighty above all that I will experience. And through whom we have salvation the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who brings purpose, the one who brings intent, and the one who brings design to my very being. And he says in the previous passage, he did this so that they might seek him. So that they might seek him and not the things of this world. And so as we reflect on many of these texts and come to an understanding of what it means when I say I believe in God, when you think about this creative God, the Almighty God, the Father, does it compel you to worship? Or does it drive you deeper into the things that have been created? Because if we understand the God that we say we believe in, it should drive us to worship. Every day. Every moment. 
of our lives. To live a life of worship of God, our Father, the Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Because we are His children. Maybe you need to become a child of God this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in life everlasting with Him. Or maybe you need help finding your way back to a path that you know is right. If there's any way the church can be of assistance to you this morning, you can make it known as we stand.